All right, everyone, thank you for joining me for another episode of the podcast. With me today, I have Wes Hartman. He is the writer, creator, and colorist of the smash indie hit Savage Sasquatch. Wes, thank you so much for uh, joining me tonight. Yeah, no problem, man. Um, just right away, man, I, I just got to commend you on uh, Savage uh, Sasquatch. I, I don't know why that's so hard for me to say. Um, it's a, First off, it's an awesome title, regardless of you know, my tongue twisterness, but, uh, man, this is like one of the most fun series I've read in a really long time, man. Like it is just like, besides like having just awesome artwork, um, the, the, just the pacing, the world, like, man, I I can't wait to really dive into, to this comic, man, but man, it's a lot of fun. Like, it's really a lot of fun from like the opening page, a a page one of issue issue one. one. It's just fun. That's, that was the goal, man. Like I, I, Whenever, whenever I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in my next comic, I was, you know, I, I appreciate the more hardcore in depth and, and darker stories, but that's, that's not quite where I want to be creatively most of the time. Like most like, man, I just want to have a rocking good time. You know, my favorite movies are like big trouble in little China and just crazy fun action adventure type thing so like that's that's what i wanted to lean into more than anything i figure it's it's pretty accessible to most people and you know i i I just i just enjoy a good time there's there's too much seriousness in the world and there's too much uh too many people that are better at hardcore drama than i am (laughs) yeah man like uh my my own books, like I, I lean more definitely into the the darker, more serious uh, horror stuff, and it's just you know I'm in that realm so much as a creator. It was just really nice to read something that wasn't that man, and it uh, you know, and I'm I'm a big fan of the series, big fan of uh, your work, and uh, Gabe Santos is absolutely amazing on the uh, on the line work there, man. Like he, uh, how did you two kind of come to you know come together? Because I mean your your colors on his line work man i mean this this is a beautiful book thank you yeah uh, gabe uh, i'm trying to figure out the shortest way to say to give this story so in my my past history i'd started a a another indie small press company and we were doing that for a while one of the books we put out was called moonstreak and the artist on that is harvey talibo who was who's an artist for Marvel, DC, and everybody. He's done X-Men and Psylocke. He's done Green Arrow, uh, Danger Girl. Like, he's just top-tier books all across the board. And Harvey's based in the Philippines, and he has a studio of cats that that work with him and train under him. So Gabe was one of his understudies. And it was just like, like once we were moving past Moonstreak and stuff, I was like, like man, who do you who else do you have in this in your stable? Cause I can't afford you, Harvey. You're you you cost too much and you're too good. I, I can't afford you. Like who else you got? So he just had like all his guys draw a character from Sasquatch, whether it's Sasquatch or Trax or Fleek, and just kind of across the gamut. And uh, yeah, and Gabe Gabe stood out and it was like, dude, who is that? Like that guy's awesome. Like, like he's willing to work with me at, at, at this price. Like, yes, I want him. I want him more than anybody. That's awesome. So, and and the the 
I'll say the only downside to to that process was since I was hiring out through through their studio, I didn't get much one on one with with Gabe himself. So I I I I really like the collaborative nature and, and spirit of comics, and I love being able to to go personally with the artist and like, hey, I, I did this, but put your spin on it and. Like, let me know what you think. If you got any ideas, or what do you like to draw? Because I want to throw stuff in there that you want to do, and not just all oh, my idea. And and in this situation, we we were a little more divorced. I I kind of had a point person I had to deal with. So I want to say like, hey, Gabe's my best good friend in the whole wide world, but I honestly really don't know Gabe too well. But he does amazing artwork. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I mean, that's a. That's really an interesting kind of um, dynamic, and so like the the collaborative thing with you know with comics. That's what kind of what makes it special. Like I I know for me, all of the you know all of the artists and everyone that I've worked with um, on the comic side, like we've you know we, we kind of you kind of form a nice little tight knit bond, and um, when you're working, you know, there's sometimes there's like you know, weird freehand, like, uh, like communication you guys could have, the more you guys talk about a project and, uh, that sounds like it's missing, man. So how, so like, I guess I, I want to know how the process works, but I guess before that, even, you know, how did you get to, you know, you're, you're a colorist, you know, and an awesome colorist at that, but how did, you know, how did you go from colorist to, all right, now I want to be a writer and creator and put out my own, my own book. Uh, it's kind of, it's, it's not that, that too hard a story. I was, you know, I started in indie comics. I've, I've been an indie guy since I started back in 2002. You know, I, I went in as an intern with Antarctic Press and worked in production and was just kind of learning the ropes and was coloring on my own before, before I went in, like just learning Photoshop and stuff. And I started working with them and learned more Photoshop and they had a, They've got a coloring studio that's based out of there that work for pretty much everybody. So I started working with them. They're called Guru Effects. So, I mean, I was working Guru Effects, coloring Marvel and stuff like that. But at the same time, I kept moving through the ranks at AP and kind of became the, the VP of production, running the day-to-day -day schedule and operations of the office. And, and so I was constantly on all, like, books, editing and doing everything. And I always had story ideas or like work with the creators there in house and we'd go to lunch or dinner or whatever. And we, we talk stories. And when, uh, we we're doing a series called I hump monsters and I was doing the screen tones, the gray tones on that. And eventually it was getting to the point, uh, uh, Craig Babiar was the artist and he was the artist and writer, to be honest, like there, it was created by another, another creator who, Kind of did a couple vague outlines, kind of Stan Lee, Jack Kirby style. Where like, you know, these characters fight a werewolf for this issue. And then Craig would go create the issue and do it. And, and that's that's how it happened. So eventually, I'm just toning the issues. I'm like, man, I have an idea for a story. And since Craig was kind of running point on 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 doing writing and drawing, he's like, yeah, I would totally be cool if you wanted to write a story. I, I'm more comfortable doing a doing the drawing because you know i've got a day job and you know i just want to draw <laughs> so 
I ended up doing day job gets in the way. Yeah, because he was had a day job working full time, married, and then drawing comics full time at night. You know, monthly comics, not even bi month. Like he was doing a book a month. So I mean, dude was a workhorse, and it was like, okay, cool. So I I wrote issues eight and nine of I Hunt Monsters Volume One, which were my first two published comics. Like I've I've written stories my whole life, but those were my first two comics, and he loved them, and the office had a general vibe, and then we relaunched to the next to Iron Monsters Volume 2, and like, hey, you're just a regular writer, so I can just draw. I'm like, cool. So I became the writer on that. And so every, and from there, like, I just kept dipping my toes in the writing. After Iron Monsters, we stopped for a while, and I did Sky Sharks, created, created Sky Sharks, which was mine, and then that ended, and then I co-wrote, co-created, co, it was kind of almost a book by committee almost was pirates versus ninjas and and we did several projects like that where i like i wrote on lots of different stuff even stuff i wasn't ever credited for just kind of here and there and just kind of like hey we're gonna make this as good as we can you know editing and writing and then left ap started guardian night comics and sasquanaut was gonna be part of that but i was editor-in-chief of guardian night comics and so it became my trying to get everything else out so I didn't put nearly as much work in the Sasquanaut because that was the first thing they pushed aside so I can do help get everybody else's work out and I was co-creating co-writing Moonstreak with with my my cohort Austin Rogers and that's that's where we met Harvey which led to Gabe I know this is really long I'm sorry <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, I, I always wrote, I mean, I've, I've written just stories and random things my whole life, but yeah, coloring, coloring was basically what paid the bills and, and writing was what I was wanting to do. Yeah. And so it, you know, the, the Savage Sasquanaut, uh, I'm going to get it right. I, you know, I'm going to get it right here. Anyways. Uh, so this world man like it's from from panel one page one on issue one man like you have just such a, a full and rich world with different aliens and creatures and um you know bigfoot himself is is so alive and colorful what was it like kind of building this huge world you know going from working on other people's properties like you said and kind of ghostwriting to finally having the reins of your own thing i mean you had to have learned, you know, a, a bunch of, you know, different tips and, and tricks along the way working on all those other books that um, that helped you for this. Because, like, just right away, man, just the scope of this is uh, really, you know, admirable. And then, obviously, it's it's really fun and, um, and, and, and like, rich. Like, it's a place I want to go. Like, it feels like a real, you know, up there with, you know, any other big sci-fi, you know, epic. That's awesome. I... I... I want to say I could take credit, you know, like, oh, I did it all myself, but, but, you know, like working with I Hunt Monsters, you know, Craig, Craig's written, written and drawn more comics than I have. I mean, I'm not talking about like any of my coloring. I'm talking about specifically writing. Like he did Warrior Nun, Ariella for years, which, you know, became this hit Netflix show recently. Like he was the writer and artist on that for years. And so, I mean, he did a ton of that. So working with him there, Craig was always somebody that was super, like I would give him a script and I was like, you know, 
feel free to have your input. That's where the collaborative stuff came in because Craig was Craig's great. Craig's a great storyteller. So I mean, he could take what I did and and tweak it. And like you mentioned before, we kind of developed a shorthand, you know, because there was he had a specific uh, pose that he did with one figure, like with the character was like scratching the back of his head or whatever. It just became what I what I called the Craig shot. So as I'm writing the script or whatever, it's like panel two, Craig shot of Will, <laughs> you know, and that's all I would have to say, and he'd do it. And then, and then after that, when I did Sky Sharks, Sky Sharks was probably my biggest, my biggest learning experience because that was the first one I did completely and utterly from scratch. And my artist on that was Fred Perry, who if you if you don't know. Who Fred Perry is, I'm I'm going to encourage you to to look him up and research, and I can probably provide you to a link to get what is it? Probably a hundred comic books that he's done for free. Fred is the creator, writer, letterer, penciler, inker, colorist, you name it, for the book Gold Digger that Anarch Press put out. Gold Digger's coming in on issue 300 pretty soon, like. He's been doing this a long time, in and out every month. And beyond Gold Digger, he's done so many other titles. Mostly, it's all it's, it's it's easy to say he's probably done at least two books a month for like twenty years. So the the dude is an, is a storytelling master. He's probably the single most creative individual I've I've ever come across. When when we were in the office together. There were some days where we'd have a goof and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I bet nobody could do some stupid idea, like random, stupid, crazy idea. And if he was there, he's like, oh, yeah, he'd sit there and like draw out just my random stupid idea that like there's no way this could ever work and he's like dude that's awesome but but Fred Fred was my artist on Sky Sharks and he he essentially also served as my editor and whereas I was like I built the world more than the characters in that one and so Fred was kind of the person that that always told me asked me why why this why this and pushed me and pushed me and kind of took me to took me to school when it came to comic book making. I mean I mean I'd made comics before that, but he took me to school. And it was the single most eye-opening and educational experience of my life. By the time I was done, I was just like, holy crap, I just gotta sit back and process all this. And so I mean it was it was several years before I started creating my next comic, which was Sasquanaut. And and Sasquanaut uh, indirectly is an homage for for Fred, for Fred Perry and his Gold Digger universe, because you know, like I said, Fred's been doing his story for 25, 30 years, you know, since early nineties. It's it's almost thirty years. And in that I mean, it was a different world back then, but in that time he's managed to create a series where anything is possible he can tell any kind of story he wants he can do hardcore action adventure he can 
profess his love of fighting games. He can do magic and fantasy. He's got pirate ninja leprechauns. He's got dragons. He's got little robots. He talks hardcore science, like real physics and stuff like that. That's like, holy crap. Like the dudes, it's just like, dude, he can do anything. And that's one thing I, I always loved about what he did with Golder. I was like, man, if I'm ever going to create another book, like I want to be able to have the freedom to do whatever. Cause I'd like to tell stories for a while, just kind of like be, my, I don't want to say opus, but like my, my tentpole idea that I can revisit forever and just do whatever. So if I want to talk about dinosaurs, I can do dinosaurs. If I want to do a Western, I can do a Western, just anything and, and have it all set within this world. And that's kind of how Savage Sasquanaut started where, where it was a universe where it's like, man, how do I, I want to create a world where I can do this and stumble across a, a, a a a band called Low Pan who put out a like a four disc EP called Sasquanaut that had a picture of a monkey in a spacesuit. I was like, what is this craziness? That's awesome. And the band was rad too. But I was like, dude, I gotta find find out more of Sasquanaut. That's a great word. Like, what is this? And so I went hunting for months. I was like, somebody's got to have a story about Bigfoot in space. In months and months and months, I was just randomly Googling or looking through whatever, see if there was a story, a novel, a comic, a magazine article, anything and everything, but I never could find anything. I yeah, like, I mean, it's one of those concepts where as soon as you hear it, it's like, like, I get like, I get upset in a good way when I hear concepts that are, that are so good. You're like, how did I not think of that? Like, it's, it's like one of those things where it's like, God damn it. Like, this, this is so good. Like, duh. Of course this makes sense. Like, Bigfoot in space. It writes it like, like, as soon as you say that, like, I'm sure everyone that you've ever said that to, like, in person, they're like, eyes light up. Like, oh, yeah, I get it now. Like, it just makes sense. Yes and no. I'm actually finding it a, a little, little more difficult than I, than I thought, because that's how I was. When I first heard it, I was like, that's the most genius thing I've I've ever heard of like of course that exists but it didn't right and I, then it was just like oh and i got super sad that it didn't exist i was like oh why that just means i can make it i was like holy crap i can make it yeah and i got super pumped and i was sitting in the office and i wrote probably like a three paragraph just like stream of consciousness like this is what Sasquanaut is. It's kind of like his origin story and like just three paragraphs all kind of piss and vinegar and silly and I just started like man this is there's something here and I started just showing it to the guys in the office having them having them read it and I'm like like dude that you got to do that you got to do that and even like we had the we had the business meeting the weekly meeting trying to figure out the schedule for for Diamond the solicit books and they're like well what is like who's got an idea and they started like oh you got to read this thing Wes wrote you got to read this thing and so they read it and they're like all right let's put that on the schedule i'm like wait what yeah like, that's yeah, that's... Th that's awesome so uh how long before you know the initial three paragraphs till you had the uh the script down and, and ready to go and find gabe like how long did that take and what was that process in between was there like a bunch of rewrites like how did how did you go from this this initial concept to this full-fledged comic it was it was a long time like i i went through multiple artists like uh i was 
really hoping Craig would draw it initially. You know, a guy who drew I Am Monsters and who's now currently doing my B covers on, on Sasquanaut. I was hoping he'd do it, but he had kind of retired from comics at that time. I was like, okay. And they were they were really wanting to put on the schedule. I was like, no, nah, I don't even have a story, let alone an artist. We're, we're not putting on a schedule because we're not going to screw this up. So it just it just sat there while I thought about it, and I, I I don't know how many drafts I wrote. I mean, I had multiple iterations, multiple multiple versions. Like there was kinds where I, I mean it, it I, don't, I don't know. I mean it's just a there was a lot. I've I've probably got four or five different ideas for the first issue in varying stages, and. And then once I finally started getting it written, uh, when we I got it finalized, and then we did Guardian Knight comics, and I was I needed we were doing a teaser issue like a primer book for like who we are, and I was like we're putting Sasquatch in here, so I had hired uh, Paolo Pantalena to to do the cover and the interiors. It was going to be like a twelve page story, and he was able to do the cover, but schedule didn't didn't work he couldn't do the he couldn't do the 12 pages so then i had my uh, another friend of mine who i was working with at aspen pretty regularly uh giuseppe cafaro he was available and he drew like the 12 pages and i colored them we did this whole thing in like a week and a half so i could get it drawn colored lettered and turned into the printer so we could have it for our convention that we were doing and and that was good. And that 12 pages was actually probably the entirety of issue one as it currently stands. Like I had it super compressed and it was good, but wasn't quite right. It was still missing stuff. And, and by the time we finally got the Gabe, probably another year and a half, two years after that, uh, I, I kept pushing it. And even after Gabe did it, I, I probably rewrote the issue three or four times after I had Gabe's artwork for it. So, I mean, it, it, it took a lot of work to get it to where it is because mostly it was missing that, I felt it was missing that super, super fun kind of over-the-top tone, which I think the the narrative, the, the captions that I ended up adding, those were kind of a last-second addition that really kind of turned it to what I really needed it to be. I mean, it was okay, and I think those kind of, pushed it over the edge in my mind and i was like yes yeah, we're I finally mean, here but it it's taken too many years i mean at this point it's it's been you know a little over 10 years since it was first done like at oh. like right now it's been over 10 years so, i mean long time man i i, oh, I wow, hate to say yeah. it's been that long but you know i, I thought uh, you know B you bills know. bills always took took priority than than my passion project <laughs> I, I completely understand that for sure. Yeah, and you know it, it also kind of you know speaks volumes to you know not just settling on a first draft because um, like even when you got twelve pages, you knew it wasn't right, and you you kept hammering it home until you got it to where you you wanted it to be and where you thought it was you know you know where you know the the product that you wanted to show the world and and I think it's better for it or like I guess it doesn't you know. It doesn't really matter how long it takes as long as, you know, you get the right thing out into the world. And mm -hmm. I'd have to agree with you, man. Like right away from the first caption on, the, you know, page one, panel panel one, you we get to see 
and and, and read and hear uh, Bigfoot and like his personality comes out like we like it's just like oozing off the page like it it feels like you are having fun writing that character so what was it like writing Bigfoot which is really cool by the way to say so it has to be really cool to write dude it 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 was a lot of fun it was and that was that was the thing was until I hit upon the caption because you know captions have kind of gone out out of vogue you know you you don't see a lot of that anymore you know and i mean they're they're essentially thought balloons without being thought balloons and and it was as i'm writing because i i knew who he was like i was like and and without those captions on the at the very beginning of the first panel on page one like there there wasn't any there wasn't any dialogue until like the last panel of the page so it was just like the first page didn't didn't hit you know and i'm like well i mean i, I really like that you know in that fir- last panel on that first page he's standing on the captain of the ship and i'm like oh you know that's a pretty that's a pretty ballsy ballsy panel it looks pretty awesome but you know like what's going through his mind because like his dialogue yeah, yeah i'm trying not to overwrite his dialogue i don't want him to be somebody that just constantly talks and just talks and talks and talks for the sake of filling a panel so it, it was like once i finally stumbled upon like well what if i did the captions to 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 bring more of his personality out without him just talking all the time because i didn't you know I, I, last thing i didn't want the stoic quiet hero but i didn't want the run your mouth Sp- spider-man deadpool guy you know so it's finding that happy medium, you know, and, and ultimately it's kind of, you know, look at Jack Burton, <laughs> you know, Big Trouble is is just right at the top of like one of my all-time favorite movies, man. It's just perfect in every way for me. It makes me laugh to laugh every time I see it and I watch it, I don't know how many times a year, every year. Yeah, I, uh, I could definitely see the, uh, the influence of Big Trouble in uh, Little China in this, just the... Um... I guess the tone is probably very similar in the, in the mood and the feeling you get, you get from it. Uh, you know, one of the panels where I think just captures what you were looking for in, uh, you know, in when, when you were writing it was, I think it's like, it's, it's early in the issue one where, uh, they're, you know, they're Bigfoot and, um, the purple guy, I, I forget his name right now. Yeah, they're they're about to go fight someone, and they're like, "I hope we're gonna fight someone." He's like, "We're gonna be friends," and like it was just like one of those moments where you could just you could just tell you're having fun writing it, and it's so much of his personality just comes off with like two words, and I I, I just think that it, that was um, just really efficient writing um, on your part, and you know, as someone who yeah, as, as someone who writes himself, and you know, um, you know one of my, you know, one thing that I try to kind of rein in on myself is, you know, I could be kind of dialogue heavy. I don't use captions and and I'm very dialogue heavy at times. And so I'm always conscious of reining things in. And so when I'm reading comics, I I appreciate the efficiency, you know, like literally, I want to say, if I remember correctly, it's been a a little bit since I read the first issue. Um, 
uh, like I want to say it was like two words, like we're going to be friends or maybe four words or something like that. But I was like, man, that's like really efficient. And I completely get this character and what they're about, they're to, about do. to do. Nice. That was, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lesson I learned fortunately through, through my time with Anarch press and, and working with Fred Perry and, and also, uh, uh, Joe white, Joe white was kind of the king of brevity, you know, like, I'm kind of rambling on when I talk to you, but in, in my comics, I try to, you know, take lessons I learned from Joe. And I'm like, well, if you're using 12 words and nine words, will do it or seven words. will say the same thing. Do that, you know, and it's just like, oh, it kind of helps with pacing. But then when you have that uh, overwrought character, that's just that does talk to so much like that's that's where you can play that up and like yeah they're like he's he's just going on and on and on like i am currently doing right now to say the same thing <laughs> like he said it in the first five words but he just keeps saying it yeah, yeah. no I, I i completely understand what you're saying and it's uh you know and it was it was a lot of fun and i could definitely hear you know um i could definitely hear each of the characters like they all have like a different tone and a cadence and um you know at times this is a pretty you know it's it's close-knit but at times it, it feels like it's a big cast so how was it kind of writing all these different characters from different worlds and different you know wants and needs um it's it, it just um it, it's really cool to see someone kind of being able to juggle all those different characters and in, in different places and settings and all that stuff it's it's definitely a unique challenge because even even right now i'm work i'm working on a script for another project that has I'd say a bigger cast than than Sasquanaut. Like Sasquanaut, Sasquanaut, like he he is the character. Like there's no offense. Like he has he's the A character. There's like Trex and Brenner. I'd say are the B characters, and then you got C and D. So it's like that makes it a little bit easier for for me to to juggle. I think because I'm like at the end of the day, I can push these guys aside and and just focus on A because because even even especially like in issue two, you know, uh, there's the character I refer to as creepy, whose name's Crimson Ombre. He's, uh, introduced in the first panel, first issue. He's, he's kind of like the Deadpool guy, you know, he's all kind of scarred and just runs his mouth as real weird and goofy and, and creepy. And, you know, all these characters, I started thinking of all these different things and, and issue two got away from me. Like I've got a, probably like a six seven eight page sequence that i have completely scripted you know panel breakdowns dialogue and everything that that went off on on crimson ombre's tangent and and just kind of spitballing and talking about things with with my friend and he's just like well this is about sasquatch so why are you talking about him i'm like oh yeah no that's a great point and it helped me reel it in and it you know it, it's it seems so obvious but when you get when you start getting into it and you, you have all these characters and you have a great idea and I'm like, Oh yeah, I want to, I want to share this cause it's a cool idea. But even if it's a cool idea, it doesn't mean it's necessarily pertinent to the story. And so that, that's always the key thing is trying to trim it down and trim it down and trim it down to keep the, keep the focus. Cause that's, that's the key is keeping that focus because cause I I will I will chase rabbits, man. I'll go like, hey, let me let me go talk about what happened to tracks over in his history over there, Crimson Ombre. Or like, oh man, I got this really cool idea for the the Empress's 
backstory and like how the empire operates in its political system and, and it's monarchy, but I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not this story. This story needs to focus right here. So it's, it's really, really trying not to chase those rabbits and, and go all these different things, different ways. Like as much as I want to, it's, it's, it's always trying to find out when that's really necessary and how it affects the central character, his, his character arc is what I'm trying to focus on. So that's, that's really the key because at the end of the day, he's the A carrier. Everybody else is supposed to support him. So if this cool idea that I have for that character doesn't support A, I, I have to just move past it. And that's, you know, that's not always easy to do because I, I love all the characters, you know, they, you start having a lot of fun and, and they developed, they just developed over time. Like, oh, you know, this guy wasn't going to be anything and kind of a throwaway character, but then he became tracks you know just as i was going through the story i'm like man well it'd be weird to introduce somebody else so let me just bring this same guy along throughout the issue to engineering to to the planet below like it'd just be easier to keep the same dude as opposed to like oh let me pick up some random stranger so it just developed naturally as opposed to like hey i'm gonna go create this guy tracks who likes the fight it just it was just organic more than anything yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, I think that's such like yeah, a, a great point, right, is that this is, you know, one character story, and if you start getting sidetracked and, and start making it more about other characters, you know, not only do you lose whose story it is, but you probably lose your readers as well. Like, uh, I think you, you made a really good point that there's a time and a place for all that, but as long as you stay focused on, you know, this, you know your main character, your you know, your protagonist and their story arc and how these other characters might help serve that story arc i think that's when you start getting that really rich full feel like the the story world is is big and large and all that stuff and i think you do a really good job juggling all those all those things in in this book um thank you know one yeah man i i got nothing but but praise for this thing like this book it's uh it's an awesome book man um and like, not only is it an awesome book, man, I, I gotta ask you about this, because I am super envious. Like, you have some of the coolest covers, um, like, bar none I've seen, not only on Kickstarter, but just, like, in the direct market, too. Like, where where does your, like, you obviously have a, a love for co covers, but, like, where, you know, where does this kind of come from? What's your, what's your idea about covers? Because, you know, you have a lot of them, and they're all really cool. You have, like, uh, the... The one cover where it's like you put them all together and it makes a like a super big like yeah yeah that's panoramic. the one that gave you yeah yeah man like like just your, just the ideas of the covers man like it's something that we haven't really talked I haven't really talked about a lot um, but it's really important in comics and I think you do it one of the best in, in the industry. Oh. I'll I'll be I'll be perfectly honest. Me personally, as a comic book reader and fan. I I honestly don't care about variant covers. Like I'm not one that goes out to buys them. I don't collect them. You know, if if there's a choice of like, hey, here's three covers, they're the same price. I'll grab the one I like. <laughs> you know, right. So it, it's one of those things. But but in the end, uh, our our market, our 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 self publishing indie comics and just the comic market in general, it is hardcore driven by variant covers right now. And, and people love them. And I was like, you know what? Like, 
honestly, I was crunching the numbers. Like, how do I, how do I pay for this? If I'm doing like a single cover and this and that, and, and just realistically, I couldn't pay for the comic unless I was charging like twenty, thirty dollars per issue. And I was like, this is no, like that's, that's, that's crazy. I can't do that. And fortunately through, through all my years in coloring comics and just getting to work with some phenomenal people and fortunately have been able to befriend some of them. Uh, I've, I've been able to, to get these guys to, to come and help me out and do covers. And, and sometimes that's, that's with like, Oh, Hey, you do a cover for me. I'll, I'll color some stuff for you and, and bartering. Like I'm a big believer in bartering. I think that's one of the awesomest things ever. So, and I think it's mutually beneficial for everybody. So I, I, I do that. And so just getting, so I knew I was going to get variant covers and I was like, I'm going to get the freaking best covers I possibly can. And I love the idea of, of the connecting covers. I've always thought it's a cool thing. I've never really done one. I've done wraparound covers and stuff, but I've never really done, had done a connecting one at that point. So I was like, Hey Gabe or HMT studios, like you guys up for this. And, and they sent me some layouts and did some notes and, and Gabe drew it up, man. And he, and he killed it. I, you know, I've had that thing for, for years now. And, you know, like here we are five years later, I probably would approach it slightly different. I'd still do the six connecting covers, but I would probably approach, uh, the approach, the way they're done better. Cause I was, I was, the whole thing was like, Oh, I just want it to be like one single image. So, you know, characters, I, I, I would have restructured it. So Bigfoot Sasquanaut would have been on every single cover and, and built around that. Cause for whatever reason, I didn't think I should do that. Cause like, Oh, he's on the first one. So it's weird if he's on all of them, but that's me being naive and overly thinking things too much, thinking, thinking myself out of a good idea of putting him on everything, <laughs> but the covers are still wicked cool. And I was like, you know, I think it'd be really neat to, to offer that. So it's a, it's a collectability nature. I'm like, Oh man, if I'm getting cover a, I got to get all the cover A's. Cause then I got the whole thing. Cause that's pretty cool. But Oh, look at him over here. He's he's got a couple other covers that are awesome and drawn by amazing talent like Paolo Pantalena and Ace Continuado and Jordan Gunderson and V Ken Marion and I I I guess I can I got a piece coming from Marat Michaels that he killed it on uh, and Shaheen. I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm not going to do that and, and butcher it. Shaheen, and I, honestly, a lot of a lot of the guys that are doing my covers are guys I've worked with through Aspen Entertainment, and that has been kind of a second home for me for for a number of years. Those guys are fantastic, and there's just everybody that works there just loves comics, and we just all want to make comics, and and they're like, hey man, I got a piece, like you want to color it. I was like, yeah, I'll color it. You want to draw a cover for me? Sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so it just really worked uh, out. Yeah. That, yeah I, mean, I mean, that's awesome, that's man. Awesome. I, I guess, I, like, I guess like, being, I mean, I mean, one of the hardest, of the hardest things, things, you know, probably, you know, probably is, is just getting your, your foot in the industry, in the industry to make those connections. And once you have the connections, like, then it, you know, it kind of starts snowballing. 
So, uh, like, if you had any advice for someone who wants to be a colorist, because, you know, you're, I mean, you're, you're, your stuff's awesome. Um, you know, what advice would someone, you know, would you give, you know, yourself, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, when, whenever you first started? Oh, man. Uh, be better at social media than I am. <laughs> yeah, I guess that, uh, I mean... If, you know, they're growing up now. They're probably just good at it anyway. It's, yeah, they're. It's going to be ingrained. I mean, it, that's that more than anything. I. It's no. It, I, I. That's a really good question. I don't know because that can that can go <laughs> that can go in so many directions. Uh. Yeah, color, but uh, know your worth because you're gonna. Just, just know your worth. I mean, that doesn't mean don't take low-paying jobs. I mean, I, I, I still do some odds and ends, just wacky jobs, just because one, I, I really like what something get somebody gives me. I'm like, this is just freaking cool, and I just want to help make this happen. So, heck yeah, you got. I won't say how much, but it's like you, you only got that. That's that's perfect. Cool. Yeah, I'll do that because it's it's rad, and I want to do it. And I'm gonna have fun on it and, and do that. And then you can have other people that like offer you a job. I'm like, ah, that's I guess. I mean, I'm not really interested in it. And then they then they offer you a page, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm now I'm interested. <laughs> just right. just know your worth. Don't don't get too overextended. And and that's that's the that's the near impossible part when it comes to coloring, because you're never really going to get paid enough to live unless you overextend yourself. So, you know, just if you draw, keep drawing. Like I, I used to draw and I, I stopped drawing. So I kind of lost a lot of that skill set. I was nowhere near being comic ready, but you know, if, if you draw, keep drawing. Cause in the end, even, even being a colorist, work towards having some of your own stuff, like create your own comics, even if you're writing it, if you can draw it even better, just, just work towards having something for yourself, not just being a gun for hire. Cause there was, I was a gun for hire for a long time and, and I had fun. Like I really did. The, the industry now is wildly different than it was 10 years ago and even almost 20 when I started. I mean, so just have fun, but, but know your worth and, and try to try to do something for yourself. Yeah, man, that's, that's great advice, man. And I think it's great advice, not just for colorists, but I think anyone in the, in the industry, um, I think it's important to, you know, know your worth and, you know, make something for yourself that you're, you know, you'll be proud of and that you want to, you know, stick your name on and, and put out there, um, which kind of, I guess it's a natural segue. Um, you know, Kickstarter now, you've done four issues of Sasquatch on it. Yes. Um, what's kind of your, you know, you've been successful on it, you found success. Um, what's kind of your, you know, tips and tricks? pitfalls to avoid on uh on kickstarter because you know 
it seems like, you know, Kickstarter is having like the biggest comic book kind of boom right now and everyone's jumping in and someone who's done, a you know, has four successful campaigns under their belt and uh, pretty big ones. Your last one, I think, was your biggest, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you, you have, you know, a little bit of track record, you know, a good track record with it. So kind of, you know, walk us through your thoughts on Kickstarter and just kind of, you know, tips, tricks, things to avoid, all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm a big supporter of Kickstarter. I I I buy Kickstarters. I shop on Kickstarter. I, I love that platform. Uh, but I'm very very discerning on what I will support on Kickstarter. Uh, so my my personal thought, especially if you're going in to Kickstarter and you don't have any track record, and, and even and that that included me. I mean. Yeah, I'd been in comics for for many many years as a colorist, and yeah, I had written and, and done some stuff. But no, I was I was a non-factor. Nobody knew who I was. Nobody knew who I was as a creator. The only people that knew who I was were other colorists, which you know mo- most comic professionals don't buy each other's comics, <laughs> so don't count on that. So if if you're starting off and you're going to be going into Kickstarter, Indiegogo, or whatever. My personal advice, because this is this is exactly what I do, is invest in yourself. I made Sasquanaut before Kickstarter. I had all the art done, I and and all the colorings on all the lettering. Like issue one was completely finished before I hit launch on the Kickstarter. But it wasn't just that. It wasn't just that one issue. I had artwork through issue six like Gabe had already drawn one through six before I hit start on the first campaign now I'm not saying you have to have six issues worth done but invest in yourself it have something done because if you're just gonna go up there and throw up three to five pages and say hey I have this idea for a comic book and one you're nobody I've ever heard of in, in comics, I have no idea if you've ever made a comic in your life. I don't know if you have any track through because because comics are actually really hard to make. Like they're time intensive, they're they're complicated, and, they're, and to do it well, it, it takes time and effort and energy that a lot of people I've I've met I've met a ton of people in comics. A lot of people don't have the wherewithal to to come to 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 see it to the end. So if you want me as a customer on kickstarter to back your to back your project i want to know that that you're already in on it that, that you're there like hey this project is done it's ready to go or so close to being done that there's no way it could not come out and that's that's when i'll back you and and i think that's really good for anybody going in i think that's a selling point for every like oh man this is this is already done so i'm not gonna like pay for it now and maybe get it six months from now or a year from now or five years from now like it's it's gonna come and i might have it in two or three months like that's awesome let me do that that's that's probably my biggest advice just like invest in yourself going forward because i've seen campaigns where i go i was like dude this is really really cool like i i love this i want to back it and i start reading through it and all, all they've got is just these cool concept art. And it's like, well, okay, but what do you, it's like, you're asking for $30,000 or $40,000 to make this thing, which, yeah, I can totally see that 
that cost, but I'm not paying you to quit your job to make this thing. Like, what it, what have you done? Like, I need you to invest in yourself before you ever ask me to invest. So it's like, you know, and I, that's my personal think. So I, 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 I want to see people that believe in themselves so much that they're going to put their money where their mouth is. Those are the people I'm going to back. And, and once there's a proven track record, maybe then I'm going to like give some leeway. It's like, oh, you got an idea for a new project. You got a cover and like, maybe one page. Like, well, you've done six or seven campaigns and come through no problem. You're like, yeah, I'll, I'll support this because it looks cool. You know, may, maybe get to that point. But yeah, I, I just think people need to, to, to put their money where their mouth is and, 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 and make their own things, pay their artists. You know, I was like, yeah, it takes time. It takes money. It takes work. It takes sacrifice. But how, how much, how willing are you to do that? Cause you're asking other people to do it. So you need to be it, you know, man, that's, man, that is such, uh, such, such great, great advice. advice. I know, I know when, when I, I first, first went to Kickstarter, Kickstarter back in 2016, 2016 I, did I did that same exact thing that you said. I had man of the first issue of man of sin, hundred percent completely done before I stepped on the platform. Um, and because I didn't want, I didn't want there to be any problem with, with getting the art. Like I didn't want there to be a problem. Like I wanted to come out of the gate, like you said, knowing that, you know, I'm serious about this and that I had a bunch of skin in the game. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm not messing around here. Like this thing is going to happen with or without you. If you want to hop on the train, I want you on board. If not, no, you know, it is what it is. Like I'm, yeah. I'm okay with it, and I think that's that's such good advice too. And it also teaches you kind of how to manage your project because that's you know, everyone wants to make comics or or, or you know make the, insert anything um, when it's just an idea. But when you start getting your hands dirty and getting into the nitty gritty, you got to start learning a bunch of different things kind of without you even you know knowing that you needed to know them. And, yeah. uh, you know, you know, if you put if the you work put in the beforehand, beforehand, you kind of, you, you, you could kind of, uh, uh do some, you know, um, some trial and error and, and, and figure mm-hmm. out what you're good at and what you're not and, you know, fix some holes and leaks. So I think that's, that's absolutely great advice, man. Well, there's, there's, there's no point in letting everybody see you fail, you know, <laughs> and, and making, making comics is hard enough. And especially if you've never made one or, or only done like two or three page things like oh and i'm making a 20 page comic or a 32 page or a 100 page whatever you're doing you know just concentrate on that because kickstarter is a whole other beast i mean that's that's not just hey i'm gonna throw it up here and just wait for the money to come in and once it comes i'm done like that's a whole other job and 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 trying to make the comic while managing all that that Personally, that just sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the uh, you know, you've ran, you know, you've ran four com- campaigns. This is my third that I'm in right now as we're, as we're um, recording this. And, uh, man, it's, uh, it's a lot of work. Like, it is, it is time consuming. And it's also, like, mentally and emotionally just draining like there's just oh, so yeah. much so that much goes into it. into it i was talking to my buddy chuck pino yesterday two days ago uh 
and his campaign just ended and it's his best campaign. He's just like, you know, and he's like, I'm just trying to catch my breath and just chill out. And like, I can't even get a moment of just to celebrate. And I, and I, I told him and I'll, I'll tell you the same thing I told him is like, honestly, bro, like, like this was my fourth campaign, like you said, and this was my best campaign to date. But after every single campaign, you know, no matter how successful it is, you know, it's super successful or just barely scraping by it. I, I honestly, I don't know why I can't, I, I don't, I don't understand the psychology, but I, I don't get elated. I don't get celebratory. I'm not super excited. I get kind of depressed. You know what? And what's I, really, I, really I, I didn't mean to cut you off. What's really interesting is that you're probably the third creator that's told me that uh, on this podcast. Um, yeah, and it's something yeah, that I feel, I feel too. too. I don't know. I, I was thinking about it. The the depression that I think sets in is that it's you're probably not getting that that like nonstop dopamine that you get from like checking your kickstarter updates like it's just never ending and so your body like your body is probably like on some like really weird withdrawal that's that's really that's really insightful i had never thought about that but that that makes sense because you know it's like yeah man we went up 250 bucks today or like oh snap we just made a thousand dollars well where did that come from you know so yeah, I mean that that makes total sense because yeah, even I, even at the end of this this was probably being my best campaign. It was probably the one that hit me the hardest because you know as soon as the campaign ends, like I'm pretty vigilant about checking in with everybody. You know, and you'll always have the campaigns like oh the credit card doesn't process, and you go and like message all those people like dude. Once this campaign ended. I sent my updates like, hey, you guys did it. Thanks so much for the biggest campaign ever. Appreciate it. I'll be out of touch with you when, when this and that's going to production. Cool. And I turned out, I didn't look at Kickstarter for two weeks. I didn't look at how many pledges dropped. I didn't look at anything until until the money finally like was about to come. I'm like, okay, I can start sending this here and there. And that's when I went back and like, oh, hey, yeah, I did have some drop pledges. And I, I never even bothered to look. Oops. <laughs> like, I just, I had to get away from it. And, that, and I was still running an Indiegogo at the same time. Oh, man, you're, you're, <laughs> how, uh, I've never done an Indiegogo. I'm not very familiar with that platform. What's the, what are the major differences? Like, how does that, I know they have like this in-demand type thing that I, I've talked to a few creators about, yeah. but I don't know much about it. Well, one of the biggest things that was always a big draw was the add-ons, which now Kickstarter's finally putting in, which is great, which they put that, they started that uh, beta right after I launched, like halfway through my campaign, so I missed it. Uh, But yeah, Indiegogo has the add-ons, which is really cool. They do have the in-demand, so hey, if you hit your goal, you can just like leave it up as a store, which I'm like, that's awesome. That's kind of cool. It's like, yeah, I've got an online store but it doesn't really get much traffic so maybe if i can do that here i can just kind of have the store running for a while there and just pull in a little extra money here and there but my this is the second time i've done indiegogo and it is kind of my second complete and utter failure like it is it's got some it's got some really weird quirks to the system like the platform itself like the platform itself has some really bizarre quirks 
Like it it does it does a Twitter and like limits the number of characters you have. Hmm. So when you're trying to describe your your rewards or your perks, like it it'll cut you off. So it's just like oh, like you can basically like just li- if you've got a whole bunch of stuff and a perk, you've got to kind of just be super succinct, which that's both good and bad. Because uh, it depends on who's reading your campaign. Because a lot of people just go to rewards; they don't actually look at your campaign. So I kind of try to put a little bit of info in my in my Kickstarter rewards too. So it's not just a copy and paste. Because most of the time my text gets cut. Wow, but also, yeah, yeah. there's there's limits on the rewards too. Like you can only have like ten individual items listed, and especially now, like okay, I'm in issue four. And I have three to four variants per issues, plus, you know, merchandise I'm still trying to move. New merchandise from this campaign, plus stuff from the previous campaigns. Like, ten items really isn't very much. Like, that that goes, that runs out of room super quick. So, like, hey, here I've got a big reward tier that has all this stuff, and I can't even list all the stuff that it's that's included because they have an arbitrary limit. And there's no explanation. It's just like, no, you're done. <laughs> and it, it's even like hey here's my issue one four covers issue two four covers issue three three covers oh i can't do that because there's four and four and three that's 11 that's more than 10 <laughs> wow that's like, uh, uh yeah that's a, yeah, really, that's a really weird, weird um uh, it, it doesn't, make, doesn't sense, make sense but no uh, yeah, I and so you know what? like I, 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 I spent days just trying to f- manipulate how to get it in there so I could get what I needed. You know, it wasn't just like, hey, I'm just gonna copy and paste my Kickstarter and, and launch and we'll be good. And you know, and and I know not not to get in the the comics gate stuff, but I mean Indiegogo's mostly a comics gate supported community, which that's fine. You know, I've I've got covers on everybody's comics from all sides. I'm I'm a comic creator. I'm not a I'm not a political associated individual when it comes to comics. Like that's a cool comic cover, or, or I'm working with my buddy over here because he's my friend, and over here, like I'll make comics for everybody. And so I'm like, cool. So I kind of have a inroad here, but I've got my inroads over here. Like somebody's got to come on to Indiegogo, and I see people comment on Facebook like. Oh, if this was on Indiegogo, I'd go buy it. Well, guess what? Now it's on Indiegogo. Go buy it. Put your money where your <laughs> mouth is, and then they don't go buy it. <laughs> They're like, I, I don't understand this, but okay, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I I've heard I, a lot I've of, a lot of creators. creators. Um, I, I mean, it, it's, it's uh, uh, I don't even know how how I want to word this, but um, the it's definitely, it's definitely kind of kind two of different, different um. Markets or demographics that that use the different the two platforms, which you know, yeah. like I don't, you know, I'm a really big Kickstarter supporter myself. Not only do I use the platform, um, you know, for my you know getting out my creative um, like endeavors and my comics, but I'm a huge supporter. Like I'm I'm buying uh, comics all the time. You know, I I bought you know watches and games, and I I just mm-hmm. like the platform and what's on it and the creators, yeah. you know, on it. Um, I've never backed anything on Indiegogo. I think I've, I've, you know, went on to a couple pages um, of people that I know that did like the in-demand stuff. And I just, 
I don't know. It don't just, know. It just it's, a it's a different feel. feel. Like I have nothing I have against nothing the platform. Against I haven't platform. used, I haven't it, used enough it enough to know anything, know anything about, about it. But, it, but the more I, I, I talk I, to people, the more I kind of see there's a. It's definitely different. And I feel Indiegogo more than Kickstarter. You need to bring your audience. Yeah, there's there is there is little to no discovery on there and and one uh one guy who's been actually really really helpful with with launching the indiegogo this time is he's one of my patrons on patreon matt uh he he actually helped me kind of beta test it before i launched it so he helped me figure out because I, w- I was sending like hey check this out. and he'd go through and check like hey there's this problem with this and i was like oh that's awesome you're super helpful and and he he is a hardcore crowdfunding dude. He watches everything. He's huge on. He does lots of kickstarts. He does. Anything. He watches everybody. He backs everything. He's just into comics. He loves comics. And he was watching it. And I launched. And I think I think it was Miskatonic High. Like we launched at almost the same time. He was telling me it was a Thursday. Uh, Thursday afternoon. And you know how when you launch on Kickstarter, you're you're there on the first page, like for a little bit. Like we both launched, we were instantly on like the bottom of page two, if not even page three. Wow! Like we didn't wow. even we didn't even get thirty minutes on the front of of the comics area of Indiegogo, and you know Miskatonic it went on Kickstarter and you know it it was like fifteen twenty thousand, like it did gangbusters. You know, and, and it it got nothing. Like it it didn't, it didn't pull anything on Indiegogo, and he canceled it, moved on. It, I might be misremembering, which I think it was Miskatonic. I'd, I'd have to go back and look. I'm not looking at it now. I could be totally wrong, so um, don't don't hold me to that. Anybody listening? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, uh, I know Mike from uh, who does Miskatonic. Okay, so I could I could reach out to him. Uh, he's a buddy it, it, of mine. It, that that may be accurate now. I'm 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 just remembering. It's it's been six weeks or more now since yeah, all this yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, I, uh, but it was yeah, just like, yeah, he pulled it, and I I just left mine running. And the first the first issue I did, I pulled in like two hundred and thirty five dollars, and I created an Indiegogo exclusive cover. And so by the time I I paid for my variant cover for like the, I think actually two people on Indiegogo that got it. <laughs> I, I ended up packaging in with the guys that did the high tiers on Kickstarter. So Kickstarter got the Indiegogo variant more than Indiegogo did. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And yeah. and so creating that variant and with as little money as I raised, I think I pocketed like 40 bucks after fees and everything. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, so this campaign, I didn't make anything exclusive i just indiegogo exclusive nothing and i had one guy ask me he's like oh are you gonna do an exclusive for this i'm like no <laughs> you, yeah. if you can get some people here and and start getting this running up where it's working i'll consider it now I'll, I'll, I'll do some kind of exclusive like I've, I've got artwork i could i could use so i can make it happen but um until until this proves to be a a reasonable working platform for me and I'm, I'm not gonna create exclusive items that'll cost money for 
you know, out of like that was just like, hey, whatever I get. And ultimately, all that the money I got for that was like I raised I raised almost three hundred bucks on that one. So most of that just covered a speeding ticket. <laughs> well, at least you, so I'm like, well, I'm, I'm I'm glad I got that. It didn't come out of Kickstarter money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I was hoping like my goal was for five hundred bucks just so I could get into in demand, and I I couldn't even hit. 500 bucks after like five and a half weeks wow Wow. like just nobody came and even even like the tracking the analytics like it just it didn't go and i was thinking like well like it's cool if i run it concurrently because i'm already promoting the kickstarter so i can promote indiegogo right along with it so if somebody does have a preference for one platform or the other and they're seeing this like you can instantly go you can go to whichever one you want you know if you want to do indiegogo because you don't want kickstarter for whatever reason you can have indiegogo but even even just like looking at the analytics like i don't i don't even think i got 10 percent of the traffic and it was it was tagged along with every other kickstarter every other uh promotional marketing push i did paid ads comic groups whatever twitter facebook instagram it was everywhere and it just nobody went like it just doesn't go if if you don't have a diehard following or are not a youtube personality or within the that realm of the youtube group like that that's in all the shows or whatever like and people know you from that like I, I don't I don't know if you can get traction. I mean I I could be wrong, but that's been my experience and I've I've seen and heard this from several other individuals now. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's yeah, uh that uh that, uh, that sounds, sounds disheartening, disheartening, you know, and you know, I, I don't wanna I don't know enough about Indiegogo as a platform to, you know, um you know, say one way or the other. But yeah. I just you know, I just know from personal experience, you know. It's worth after, a try. Yeah. I, it's it's i mean it, yeah it is work it's it's got a bit of a learning curve more i found more than than kickstarter but it's definitely worth a try i mean if you can make it work for you why not like i'll i'll do it again i'll probably wait until i do the uh collected edition of sasquanaut when i'm gonna need any and all money i can possibly get i probably won't worry about an issue again uh just because it it I spent more time building the Indiegogo because of the learning curve than, than I did on, on Kickstarter and like, Oh, your, your, my return on investment wasn't very high, but at least this time it's gone smoothly. The first campaign, like it, it took, it took months to actually even get paid by Indiegogo. And I had to like talk to them repeatedly just to get them to send me like 200 bucks. I'm like, bro, you, you've got, a $500,000 campaign runner right now. And they're talking about like, Oh, you get money. It's like, I, I need 200 bucks. Like, that's all you owe me. Just, just send it over to me. Like this shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. That's yeah, uh, that's, uh yeah. yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, it doesn't it sound doesn't promising, sound but I, I do I, know, I know there are creators out there, like you said, that, that swear by it. And there, you know, um, there are, you know, backers out there that swear by it yeah um, no i know. mean more power more power to them i mean yeah like I, I said, I'll, I'll try it again you know i'm not gonna i'm not swearing it off but it's definitely i i i don't have the energy the patience or 
or desire right now to 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 keep uh to keep on at the moment like i'll wait until the graphic novel and and i think that'll be a a good use of my time whereas like next issue like ah, another issue eh, maybe not like yeah so i mean if you can cool you know i there's the the in demand is a great concept. You can extend your campaign, which I think is really cool, especially if it's going well. Like, hey, let's go ahead and add on a few days or a, an extra month. Like, why not? I, I I think that's pretty rad. There's some really cool aspects of it. It's just getting it to work for you. You know, mm-hmm. it it has not worked for me, but it obviously works for others, and it works for others very, 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 very well. Yeah, man. It's yeah, man. uh. uh yeah, it, it, yeah, it sounds it like sounds it's, like it's, it's, its, its own, own beast, beast that you kind of got to figure out. Figure it's out not like a, uh, yeah, a lateral yeah. movement because I've, I've heard that mm-hmm. definitely for, um, you know, a, def- uh, a bunch of different creators. Um, one last thing I, I want to talk to you about before we get out of here. Um, you know, we're me and you are both both fathers and, and both creators. And so I think it's, you know, it's really cool um, that, that you're doing all this, you know, while raising you know a, a little run so how how is kind of juggling you know being a dad and, and um you know and having a creative career um because you know uh, i'm doing it too man so uh, any advice or words of wisdom or you know some uh some misery stories that we can share with each other i'm, I'm all for that you know honestly my my girl is the best thing ever like she is she and my wife are the best thing i ever did so even on the hard days it's great like it it's it's wildly different because i mean i have been full-time comics since 2002 i mean my job is making comics and coloring comics and creating comics i don't have a day job i've not had a day job since i was in college like that is my job and so i mean that that meant i worked 12 to 18 hours a day almost every single day up and up and up until about two years ago when 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 she was when my daughter was born actually i guess a little bit before that because i did slow down after i get got married uh and and that's so i mean i have i i don't know what i can offer in advice because i mean it's there's I have so many aspirations and, and goals and things I'm trying to do and achieve. And there is never enough time in the day, <laughs> you know, and, and those times like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like I, I, I've got maybe two hours cause she's sleeping. What can I do? And two hours later, all I've done is administrative paperwork or answer emails or write emails and, like I haven't even gotten to the creative bit and like, Oh, she woke up from her nap. Like I, I don't get to work until she goes to bed at, you know, seven thirty or whatever. Like, or, or it, when my wife comes home from work and then like she can take her and then I can go do my job. So it, it it's, it's definitely, it's definitely changed my, my priorities, you know, like, like they're, they're first. My work has, pretty much been my life for most of my adult life. And so that's, that's a change. And, and it's, it's really good. Like one, I'm 
more psychologically healthy and happy than I have been in, you know, forever, which is great. You know, but there's still those, those anxieties and stuff like that where I'm not creating or I'm not doing something or like, Oh, I've been, I've been quote unquote at work for four hours and all I've gotten done is a handful of emails, prep some files here and there. And like, I, I haven't gotten the right. Or if I'm in, if I'm at the point where I can actually write, it's, it's not coming to me because it's that point where I just have to think and daydream and just figure stuff out, which always feels kind of like a wasted day because there's nothing tangible but it's absolutely necessary. You know, it's, it's hard, man, but it's, it's been a whole lot better. It's, it's made me, I, I, I work less, but I'm much more driven, you know, like I, I want to, I want to do more. I want to accomplish more, uh, for me, I'm, I'm, I've spent so much time as a colorist and I enjoy coloring, but that's become kind of less important to me and less interesting to me. I want to create my worlds more. I think I have more to offer there than I do as a colorist because, you know, I've, I've gotten that point. Like I, I'm, I'm good. I don't, I don't mean that to say, to be sound conceited or anything like that. It's like, I know I'm good at coloring. I know I'm a good colorist in that moment. I, I'm really good. And I'm, I'm not trying to be conceited, but like, I've kind of just gotten to that point where like, I'm at that point where like, I don't, I don't study like I used to, like I used to study coloring, coloring and like kept trying to figure out different ways and different things to just constantly and constantly and improve. And I don't do that like I used to when it comes to coloring. I'm, I'm more interested and I, I do that more for storytelling and character development and world building. I'm, I, I, I research and look into and listen to more towards that than I do coloring. So so it's, it's like, like I said, my, my priorities have shifted. Honestly, I, I put that more towards my daughter. You know, she makes me want to do more more for for us for me like i want to be able at the end of the day it's like look look baby girl you see you see all that i i did that and not just point to a bunch of covers or, or stuff or other people's dreams and ideas and passions which is as a color it's like yeah i help facilitate and but i'm, I'm much more of a gun for hire like most most people when they hire me even though i can do more they don't utilize or or want me to do more they don't want to like oh what'd you think about this or that you know it's just very much go color that and that's it and that's that's fine i'm totally fine with that but i know i have more in me and and having the little one has helped has helped cement my mind that i need to do do more and be more and and show that like yeah man i've got i've got stories i'm not just i'm not just some gun for hire yeah man i i uh I think that's a, a great message to kind of uh, end today's, um, you know, interview on because I think, you know, that's really important is that, you know, not, on, not only the big why, but like leaving some, you know, doing something uh, that's bigger than yourself. Like I know for, for myself, 
the reason why I keep, you know, wanting to create is that I want to be able to look into my daughter's eyes when she's older. And when I tell her she could do anything she puts her mind to, I don't want those to be hollow words. And I think yeah. it's a, a very similar thing um, that you're doing uh, as well. And I, I think it's really important, too. Um, so, yeah, man, that's, uh, you know, I, I think that's a, a great way to end things. So before we get out of here, uh, where can people find you? Uh, how can they connect with you? Where can they get uh, your awesome comic, uh, Savage Sasquanat, and uh, all that good stuff? I am primarily on Facebook as Wes Hartman or Savage Sasquanat. Uh, Facebook pages. I've got more pages than that, but we, th- those are my main ones. Uh, I'm on Twitter as Sasquanaut. I don't use Twitter much, but but I have it and I do check it on occasion. Uh, Instagram, I am Westflow78258. And yeah, I'm, I'm on social media. I, I've, I have made a point to, to disconnect a little bit, so I, I'm not on it as much, but I, I do check it fairly regularly. Uh, I have Patreon. Uh, Patreon is Westflow, W-E-S-F-L-O. Uh, there I talk about making comics. I talk about what's going on, storytelling. I talk about coloring. I, I've done some videos. I've given away comics there, uh, offer up prints, even even editing services uh, through Patreon. Uh, and then if you're looking to get Savage Sasquanaut, you can buy physical copies at savagesasquanaut.com. And it is also available digitally through Comixology and Drive Through Comics. That's awesome, man. Well, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I put these in the show notes. And uh, I appreciate you coming on, Wes. It was an awesome time chatting with you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andrew. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, no worries.